Well, all right, church, thank you for the wonderful singing and music today and celebration of our Savior Jesus Christ. He's amazing and worthy of our praise and worship this morning. I want to thank you guys for coming together this morning to celebrate our risen Savior. He is alive today and He lives forevermore. And Scripture testifies of it. Our experience with Him testifies of the very same thing as well. You know, also, this is a great week for our nation. We celebrate uh, the birthday of this great land and this great country. And uh, this week I was having a conversation with a couple of our guys in church and, and the older, wiser men than me. Let me say that. Uh, certainly wiser. Uh, and uh, we were talking about uh, the difference that nations uh, in the world, why, why is America so blessed and why is it so uh, strong and and uh, why is it so more advanced even than many other cultures that have been here on earth for a lot longer than the United States? Relatively, we're a young nation. And yet we uh, have prospered and excelled. And, uh, you know, part of the discussion brought us to the fact that we have a unique type of government that sets, free, uh, sets us free to create and produce and to live as we choose to live. And that was ordained by God. And it's evident in the history of this nation that God has blessed this nation, given us a way to live that's uh, given us the freedoms that we have. And so we need to celebrate that and thank God for it because it's by His hand and by His love that we're so blessed by being here in a part of this nation. So as you celebrate, remember where that gift comes from. It comes from our God and our Creator, and give Him thanks for that. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I want to speak to you this morning about freedom. About the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, on Wednesday nights we've been uh, studying through the book of Romans, and we learned a lot of things about our salvation. Uh, Paul began the first five chapters of the book of Romans, and his focus was on salvation, why we need it. Uh, is explaining why we need it, who needs it, right? And the conclusion in Scripture is that we all need it. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, He showed how much the Jews needed it, the Gentiles needed it, the whole world needs salvation. And He shows us in these first chapters how that we can receive salvation. It's not our works. Uh, it's not our adherence to any rules or creeds or anything. But it's the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross for us. That He gave up His life for us. That He voluntarily committed Himself to be crucified in our place so that we can have eternal life. It's Him. And it's faith in what He's done for us. It's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for us that gives us that position or that gift of salvation. So He uses these first chapters to say, hey, we're all sinners. We all need to be saved. There's no exception to that. The way of salvation is through the work of Jesus Christ, believing in Him. And then he moves on in chapter 6 and he begins uh, part of the book or the epistle about how to live out that freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. That if we are saved by believing in Jesus Christ, we all need to be saved and we are, then certainly there's a life to live after that salvation. And it's a life of freedom. And he talks about that very thing, about how we can be free to live the Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ and live in His strength and power. Now, I want to be honest with you. As I search through these scriptures, I find myself asking more questions than I had before I did. 
uh, I, I find myself coming up with not so many answers, but some understandings. And so I just want you to realize that. So as you look this morning, I just want to share some truths with you from the Bible and pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart about how He directs your life and your understanding about how to live in that freedom as well. But follow along if you would with me, beginning at verse 15. I want to re- read to the end of the chapter. I want to share some things with you. Listen, in full disclosure, we're not going to get through all the sermon outline today. Uh, you'll have to come back tonight for the end of it. And so if you're trying to fill out the blanks and it's driving you crazy, if you'll see me after service, if you're not going to be here tonight, I'll give you the answers and you can go home and look at those. But uh, uh, I just uh, had to be honest with you about that up front. So listen, beginning at verse 15. It says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you present your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness of holiness. For when we were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But fruit did not have... What fruit uh, did, did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having been slaves of God... You have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bow with me and let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the power and the testimony of your holy word. Thank you, God, that your word leads us to right understanding of who you are. Father, of your perfect will for our lives today. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you open our hearts. uh, Take those distractions Lord, that might be in our minds and our thoughts. And Father, just um, hold Him at peace for a while that we can hear Your Word. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit be our teacher, our guide this morning. That He give to us the knowledge and the understanding that we need. Father, that we can truly live free in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you uh, begin to look with me, if you would, beginning at verse... 15 and 16, I want you to see with me, first of all, in this idea of freedom, uh, that uh, in verses 15 and 16, Paul calls for us to make a decision. You see, I believe freedom is always about a decision, that we make a decision to be free or a decision of freedom, that uh, we can't live non-committed in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To not decide is to live in bondage and, and, and to live being bound Uh, and not free, but to choose is important. You remember in the Old Testament, Joshua led Israel to the the place of freedom in the the, uh, country that God had provided for them. And Joshua's big question to them, to the nation of Israel, was choose you this day whom you will serve. And so they had to make a decision. Many times we have to contemplate these deeper things about choices and decisions. We have to evaluate our lives. If we don't take time to think about where we are in our relationship with the Lord, 
then we won't realize that we may have drifted away or we've gotten cold or indifferent to Him. So I want to encourage you today as we think about these things this morning, as let God use this time together in His Word to ask you some really important questions about where you are in your relationship with Him. Are you really there in that vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Or has maybe life given you a lot of distractions or some discouragement that's kind of pushed you away in that intimacy and that personal relationship and that closeness that you have with the Lord? If that's the case, and I'm, I'm praying for you this morning to have revival in this meeting at this time here, that God would raise up in you again that passion for Him and that uh, that that to cast out that indifference that may be in your heart today when it comes to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be fully and wholly committed to Him, trusting Him so you can live that truly free freedom life that we have in Jesus Christ. And so sometimes it takes a deep look on the inside uh, to understand what God wants to do. And so it's decision time for freedom. I believe this morning in this place that it's decision time. You know, as a nation in America, if there's one time, if there's one moment in, in our history in the future that we choose not to be free, or we make a choice not toward freedom, then we're going to find ourselves, even as a nation, being in bondage. This morning, if we choose to be free in Jesus Christ, then that's His desire for us. So let's think about these decisions and these choices that we make. First of all, uh, we have to be careful, and Paul reminds us of this very thing, that sometimes we have a tendency uh, about the permissiveness of our choices. In other words, we can be very permissive in the things that we choose, and we have to be careful. Listen to what he asks in verse 15. He says this, What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Paul is saying, listen, you know, what, what are you thinking or what's in your mind or what's in your heart? What kind of choice are you making? Are, are you making a choice based on the fact that, that uh, uh, you're, you're choosing to live under law or are you choosing to live under grace? Now, uh, first of all, Paul poses this question about our choices in the sense that he understands that people often take advantage of something that they get for free. You guys agree with that, Amen. I mean, sometimes when we get free things, we take advantage of it. We don't appreciate it. Our salvation is free. It's free because it's been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's not free in the sense that it has no cost, but it's free in the sense that God offers it because He's paid for it. The highest price that's ever been paid for anything was paid for our salvation because Jesus Christ laid down His life and shed His blood so that you and I can know the freedom from sin and the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we have to realize, but yet sometimes when we get these free things, we we really don't value them so very much, right? Uh, But yet also as we think about what Paul's saying is that that uh, he, he's also comparing that with the attempt of earning our salvation. You see, under the law, it was all about works. And Paul says, listen, you're not working for it anymore, but it's a gift that you've been given by God for, he says, you know, he writes to the church in Ephesus when he says, you know, this gift is a gift from God. He says it's not of works lest anyone should boast. And so sometimes because we get these free things, we have this tendency to not appreciate them or not value them. And we make decisions based on our, our, our permissive nature sometimes. And he was right to call our attention to the problems because of our, our choices that we have a tendency to make. You know, we see some of those choices even in the church today uh, that uh, are really... 
of a permissive nature. And uh, when you look at some groups and some individual churches, they make certain decisions or they make certain choices uh, not based on the truth of the Word of God. You know, there's a lot in our culture today, a lot of liberal and false theology that's going about instead of biblical uh, integrity that uh, many churches are walking away from the authority of the Word of God and making other decisions and making other choices about how they choose to worship and the God that they see and the God that they view in the way of salvation. And so we have to be careful that that same thing doesn't leak into our church as well. And we have to be on guard about how that we have to stay true to the integrity of the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Look, if we're not believing the Bible, then what are we? Why do we call ourselves Christians or a church if we're not founding what we believe and what we practice on the Word of God? Uh, What distinguishes us from any other social group? Isn't it the Bible? And if that's the case, then shouldn't we believe the Bible? And shouldn't we honor the Bible? And shouldn't we choose to live by that revealed Word of God? Certainly we should, but yet we see it in our culture today. Many, many churches not adhering to the integrity of the Word of God. Sometimes religious tolerance, we choose religious tolerance instead of the message of the cross. You know, we see some that are believing there's many ways to God. That there's, well, there's Christianity and that's one way and then there's another way and another way and over and over and over again. But listen, if one person got into heaven not believing in the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then God's deceived us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's not many ways. There's one way. And why don't we... You know, I've wondered, you know, if there's one way, isn't that good enough? I, I, but, but yet sometimes in our arrogance and our unbelief as human beings, we want to make our own way. We want to decide our own destiny. We want to choose our own future. And, and, and God has made the perfect way for you and I to be reconciled to Him. And yet so many times people don't believe it. And they don't trust it. They want another way. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not narrow in my thinking. But I'm focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's the only way. You know, sometimes it's human knowledge that challenges biblical faith, isn't it? In our culture today. The world that we live in today, it's, it's, it's the revelation of God for the church and for Christians that supersedes everything else, but yet all of a sudden there's, there's the attempt to reconcile the Bible with, with things, right? That we accept by faith. Creation is the big battlefield today about biblical faith and biblical creation, but yet we know that we don't have to reconcile uh, unresolved matters of human science to God's revelation of His creation. But yet if we needed to, we could. And we can. There's sexual freedom versus marital fidelity. Wow, what a topic today. And I'm so confused over our culture today about this. I'm still trying to reconcile all these things in my mind today. But what I know is what the Bible says about sex and family and relationships. And God is pretty specific on how He defines the family and how He defines the relationships between men and women. And yet in in all these desires to want to be free, 
Our culture has looked at all the expressions of life and want to be free. And in every single case, it only leads them to bondage. Anything but freedom. And so we have to be careful about our permissive choices. You know, we continue to want what we want, right? As people, uh, we want grace without guidelines. Right? I mean, Lord, just forgive me no matter what I want to do. Let me just do it. And, uh, you know, you, you forgive me and I'll, I'll go and live my life. But listen, that's not Christianity. That's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it's not having, having fire insurance and not going to hell. And then going out and living our life the way we want to, abusing God's grace. But, but God's grace is so overwhelming in our life that it brings us to a sense of humility and obedience to Jesus Christ. It's that appreciation for what we have to God for what He's done for us that should bring us into a desire to want to be obedient to Him. I want to love God because of what He's done for me. I want to honor Him with my life because of what He's done for me. I don't need restrictions. Uh, I I, I don't need uh, rules. Uh, but, But what moves us is our love for God. Paul says it's our aim to be well-pleasing to you. That his love compels us or constrains us in 2 Corinthians 5. And in those understandings that we we, we love God and and, and his grace uh, is what we want to honor in our lives today. We want revival without restraints, don't we? I mean, we want to get excited about Jesus Christ and just do whatever, whatever we want to do about it. Whether or not it conflicts with the Bible or not. You know? We want love without laws. We want success without standards. Uh, We want action without accountability. We have to be careful because always in our life there's accountability as believers. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says. I'm not saying that to frighten you or to disturb you. But I'm saying to you, that's reality. We're going to give an account for what we've done here in this life. Uh, the Bible says that we'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll give an account of, of what's been done in our bodies, whether good or bad. We'll give that account of stewardship. So, so that's not to say that to, to discourage you or to frighten you. But, it says, but the Word of God gives that to us to encourage us to look forward to that day. That when God will give us those things that, that are a reflection of our stewardship to Him. And so we have to be careful because we have this tendency to be permissive in our choices. Let me give you a second thing about choices. Not only in that decision to be free, do we have to be careful about how permissive we are with our choices. But also if you look at verse 16 beginning there's the power of our choices verse 16 says do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves whom you obey what's he saying is that our choices have great power over our lives that uh, the choices that we make have consequences uh, over our life he uses the word present the idea of presenting ourselves to be obedient to a certain thing or a certain thought uh, has consequences with it. 
Present literally means to make yourself available to it. In other words, if, if I present myself to you, if I come up to you, I'm making myself available to you. Uh, it has the idea to stand near something or someone. To be close to them. So if we're making ourselves available to someone or some ideology or some thought, then, then we're, we're close to it in our thinking or our, our, our proximity. It, it means to, to, to set before our minds. In other words, we present our minds or we open our minds to things. And, and we, we need to be careful and measured about what we do that with. And, and, and those... And, and Paul warns us, is be careful, because when you do that, when you present yourself, then you become slaves, you become servants to those. And so in our ideology, if our thinking, if we're, if we're uh, you know, not being renewed in the Word of God, if we're not being careful to be focused on the Word of God, that we can open our minds to other things and become slaves to those other things. Listen, Paul gives some good advice about that. Turn with me to the second... Corinthians chapter 10. Let me give you a passage of scripture. It talks about the, the uh, concern that we need to have when we open our minds to other things uh, other than God's truth and God's word. Listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, what's he talking about? In other words, we're alive physically. Uh, we, we live a physical life. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You realize we're in a war, right? That we're, we're engaged in a struggle. Uh, Paul gives us some other information about that in Ephesians 6. Uh, but we're in this great struggle. He says, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, our, we don't fight physically. We're fighting on a different front in a different way. So if you're thinking, you know, Brother Mike, you say I'm in a war, but, you know, I hadn't been... Uh, damaged or I hadn't been hit or I don't have any bruises on me or physical marks. Paul's saying it's not that kind of war. But here's what he says in verse 4. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Why aren't they carnal or why aren't they other flesh? Because we don't need them because that's not where our war is. It's not in the flesh. He says, But are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what Paul is saying is, look, we're, we're in a war, a spiritual war. And that battle and that struggle is for our minds and for our hearts. And that's where we fight this front, this battle on, is in our thinking and our understanding, our faith and our belief. And it's a battle that's raging in, in our world today. It's raging in your life. You may not realize it. But, but you're being assaulted and attacked on every side. Your family is being confronted and assaulted and attacked by the culture that we live in today. You're bombarded by, by the media. You're bombarded by culture. You're bombarded by the people around you with other ideas and other thoughts that are in opposition to God. And we have to be careful. We have to be understanding and discerning about those things. And so that's why Paul says that we're not warring in the flesh. I'm not talking about a physical battle, but what I'm talking about is a spiritual battle. And it's waging, but thank God he's given us resources and weapons to wage this warfare. He says that these warfares are for the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen, what in the world is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fort. It's, it's a place where an enemy has a foothold. 
It's, it's, a, it's a place where opposition dwells. Now you may say, well, brother, my, my life is 99.9% holy and sanctified for the Lord. The problem is that one-tenth of one percent where the enemy has a foothold. Because once he has that foothold, his desire is to expand his holdings. He wants to have greater and more influence in your life and in your thinking and your understanding. So what's he going to do? He's going to use that base of operation to reach out and begin to take more of your thought and of your thinking and of your life and to take you farther away from God than you are today. And so Paul warns us in that very thing. He says these weapons are mighty in God for the pulling down of these strongholds. What do we have to do? We have to confront. What, what, is the, what do these strongholds look like? Verse 5. Casting down arguments. Now what's, what in the world is an argument? An argument is a line of reasoning. You see, Satan wants to implant into our thinking lines of reasoning. What we talked about. You know, well, maybe there is another way to Jesus Christ. Or maybe there is another way to heaven. Or, or maybe how God defines family isn't the only way that a family exists. And so he begins to implant these lines of thinking in our minds. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to let those things grow. And what Paul says is that God has given us weapons to identify these strongholds and then to pull them down. What is that? You know, one of the main things that God's given us is the Word of God. And so that's why it's not optional that we be in the Word of God, but it's necessary that we be in the Word of God. Because it identifies these arguments or these lines of reasoning that are contrary to God's thinking and God's purposes for our life. He goes on to say, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Right? I, I, I mean, what does Satan want to do? He wants to oppose God in our lives. He wants to lift up things that are in opposition to God. And, and how we identify those and that the fact that we do is critical to our life and our freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So back to our verses in Romans 6. What do we have to realize here? That we have to realize that we're engaged in a battle. And that we have to be careful who we present ourselves to. What we stand next to. What we set before our minds. Because those we become slaves to. The psalmist had it right when he says in Psalms 1, listen to what he says. In the first two verses he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. See, the psalmist says, listen, the man who's blessed, who, who doesn't go near those things, who isn't connected with those things, who doesn't attach themselves to the things that, 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 that are not of God. He's blessed for that. Blessed in the sense of freedom. And how does he do that? Because he delights in God's Word and God's revelation. He delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates in those very things. And so we have to be careful about the power of our decisions. What about good decisions when we make those decisions for the Lord? When we look in Scripture and we seek God out on issues and we, we begin to turn to Him, then we're blessed for that. 
That's the power of our decision. We're either brought into further bondage to the things that are not of God or we're set free in the person of Jesus Christ because we've chosen Him in our decisions. Now, finally this morning, I want you to think about one last thing about decisions or choices. Is there's a progression of our choices. In other words, they lead to certain things. You you guys have noticed that, right? That if I make a decision that there's things down from that decision that it leads to. So if I make a good decision, what happens? Good things, right? If I make not so good of a decision, there's not so good things. Listen to what he says at the end of verse 16. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. What's Paul saying? He says that if we choose sin, what does it lead to? It leads to death. Now, that's universally understood a couple of ways in the Bible. One's certainly physical death. All throughout the Bible, you, you hear about people dying in the Bible. That's why there's all these genealogies, because somebody died and somebody else is coming down the line. So there's physical death. But oftentimes in the Bible, sin is associated with spiritual death. It's what God said would happen to Adam and Eve in the garden. You'll surely die. It's the consequences of sin. So he says, whether of sin uh, leading to death. In other words, if we make that choice to ignore God, or if we make that choice to rebel against God, or if we make that choice to sin against Him, what does that lead to? It leads to death. Death. James says this about sin and temptation coupled together. He says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. So our temptation comes through our desires and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. There's a progression to it. When we choose against God, then it progressively leads us in a path away from Him. Step by step by step. You know, I've had the unfortunate opportunity to counsel with a lot of believers who at one time were passionately in love with Jesus Christ. But all of a sudden they found themselves in a place where they was as far away from Him as if they had never been saved. And so as you begin to talk with them, you wonder, it's not one decision that they made that led them from being passionate about Jesus Christ to to being bound in sin. It wasn't just one choice. But it was that one choice that moved them a little further off center and another one and another one and another. That led them down that progression of moving away from God. You see, the prodigal son didn't get in the far country destitute by making one decision. But he made a whole bunch of decisions along the way. And that progression of that downward spiral in his life was one that led him away from God. Death led him away in separation from his fellowship with his family. So what happens to the believer who moves away from God is there's separation in that that fellowship with God. 
We feel so distant from Him. Maybe you're here this morning and there's just something in your heart that you seem indifferent or distant or things aren't right or there's just that feeling of unrest or uncertainty in your life. Listen, you need to, you need to seek God about that and let Him help you deal with it. But He also goes and He talks about another decision or, or, or another way. He says uh, in verse 16 at the end, He says, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience... Leading to righteousness. Obedience leading to righteousness. In other words, that sin always produces death and separation from God. But if we choose obedience, it leads to righteousness. Uh, God declares us, listen, positionally righteous in Jesus Christ. Every believer is, is righteous in, in our standing with God. In other words, because of the cross, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and our faith in Him, that we're in right standing with God in that sense of our salvation. But what about how we live every day? What about our practical life? Is there the reality or the possibility that we can be positioned in Christ and be right with God in that sense, but in our daily life as we practice our faith that we can be maybe distant from God? Absolutely. And we have to be careful about that. Because it's our obedience that becomes the key to our right living with God. It's the choices that we make, isn't it? To honor Him with our life. It's the choices that we make to yield our lives to what He, what he says in His Word. It's our decision to seek Him out in His wisdom that gives us understanding on how to choose and how to live and how how to be obedient to him and in all those decisions and choices that we honor christ with as we live our life for him comes this sense of freedom freedom you know what comes with sin and our decisions to be disobedient to god are things like guilt and heaviness and and when we choose self-centeredly and selfishness it, it confines us on what we're able to experience and understand. We're driven by our desires and our passions and they control us. But in our freedom in Jesus Christ, He controls us to have that abundant life that He promised to us. So it's our obedience that puts us in a right walk, right relationship with Him every single day. It's how we live our life. That gives us the real freedom. And so Paul talks about that. So our our decisions, our choices that we make really determines the freedom that we have. What kind of decisions are you making today or choices? Are they those that honor the Lord Jesus Christ? Are they those that have set you on a path of freedom 